everybody on a uh, Saturday. Uh, happy Father's Day tomorrow. And I have absolutely no intention of celebrating Father's Day uh, whatsoever. My kids are probably going to shake my hand and go, Happy Father's Day. That's what we do around my house. Uh, look, phone numbers right now. Top of the hour. Best time to call. Absolutely. And uh, we see how many lines. Uh, oh, my God. Look at that. They're filling up very quickly because how many lines do we have open? One, All of them. That's how many lines we have open. 800-520-1534. And if you ever wanted to go in, uh, come in on to the show and ask me a marginal legal question and get some marginal legal advice and the line uh, is busy later on, hey, I'm going to start yelling at you, all right? When you walk through a storm. Can you imagine starting the show with this? Jerry Lewis singing, You'll Never Walk Alone. Wow. That's never happened. You know how long I've been doing this show? I have never opened the show with Jerry Lewis singing, You'll Never Walk Alone, that he did at the telethons. All right. You know, is it possible I'm going to be monologuing the entire show? Wow. Do we start with jokes? I'm okay with that. Do I start with my favorite joke of all time? Two Jews walk into a bar, then they buy it. Okay, there's more. Oh, there we go. 800-520-1534. They're starting. They're starting. Okay. You just saved yourself from Jerry Lewis. 800-520-1534. We'll get through this. Yeah, go. a couple lines are coming in. Thank you, guys. Well, you, you know, listen. It's Hey, I like Jerry Lewis singing that song, and I have for decades. All right. Let's just start going for it. What do you think? This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. Now, if you've been listening to uh, my show, uh, whether it's uh, this show uh, on the weekends or I have my Monday through Friday show on uh, KFI in Los Angeles, uh, where I am sitting right now, one of the things I have often said, and many times I have said this, is that when we in California write a proposition, and by the way, uh, we don't have lawyers write propositions. Uh, There are no legislative analysts who write propositions. You know, whenever a bill is passed in Sacramento or any other uh, capital uh, where bills are passed, you know, they have legislative analysts who actually physically write the bill because legislators don't know how to write a bill. I mean, unforeseen consequences, superseding other bills. I mean, there's a lot to it. So when we do our propositions, eh, you know, we just throw something up there. So uh, Prop 64, we passed. And that is uh, the legalization of recreational marijuana. Fair enough. And what it says is uh, that uh, uh, defendants uh, who are in prison cells, that's been interpreted, people in prison, where, of course, it's a different law uh, whatsoever, is um, they cannot use marijuana. Well, there was a prisoner Because the law says use. Uh, There was a prisoner who uh, got caught with marijuana in his cell. And, of course, they nailed him for it. He went to court. Uh, They nailed him for it. And he appealed. And uh, the District Court of Appeals overturned that. Wait a second. How did that overturn? He got caught with marijuana. 
He had it in his jail cell. And the court said, real simple, the law says uh, possess marijuana, not consume marijuana. You left out the word consume. Therefore, it is perfectly legal to have marijuana in your jail cell. You just can't smoke it. And everybody went, huh? And the court said, look at the law. Right there. It says you cannot consume it, but that but you left out possess. So prisoners, if they have marijuana, you know, if they have, for example, a potted plant in the corner of uh, their cell. <laughs> Damn, I'm good. Uh, so they're going to have to change that law. But that's just because to show you uh, how important it is to write a bill, and in this case, write, write a proposition correctly. Propositions are, you get, in this state, 500-something thousand signatures. It's on the ballot. All right, I'm not going to go through the whole history of propositions either, because that'll take me half an hour of how, how they all work. Okay, uh, let's do it. Chuck! Hello, Chuck, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. i got a quick uh, copyright question. <clears throat> My wife has an idea similar to a pet rock, like, uh, uh, you know, buying different components from different vendors. Okay, so, uh, similar, I'm sorry, similar, similar I, I misunderstood or didn't hear it. Similar to what? Pet rock. Remember oh, pet, pet rock. rock okay, oh, yeah, I remember that. Rock. Buying different components. What are you talking about? Buying a rock someplace else? Yeah, like, what that guy did is he got a rock from here and he got a box from here and he got... Yeah. So similar, similar. It's not that stupid. Yeah, it is stupid. Okay. Similar thing. Do I need, do you, and we're going to sell it on Amazon. Do you think a uh, copyright is important? Uh, Well, uh, whatever, whatever trade name you come up with, whatever copyright name that you come up with, uh, you know, for example, uh, Pet Rock probably is copyrighted. The idea can't be patented because you're selling a rock. So oh, the idea can't. Yeah, though no, the idea can't. So as soon as Pet Rock came out, Pet Everything came out, and they were all knockoffs. But uh, the Pet Rock was the first one in. So uh, yeah. your wife can go I ahead and good. do a pet whatever she wants, uh, and uh, you can copyright uh, on the box, for example, the name of the company. For yeah, just I'm throwing something out. My head is full of rocks, which is exactly what your wife is doing when it comes to trying to sell a Pet Rock again. But yeah, so the idea is you can just copyright the name, trademark the name is what it is. Not even copyright, trademark 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 the name. Yeah, whatever the name is. I just don't use just don't use uh, Coca Cola, uh, IBM. (laughs) Okay, all right, there you go. Patent pet rock. Anybody remember the pet rocks? I mean, they came out. They were so stupid. It was a rock uh, sitting in a little bit of hay or whatever the hell it is, and it was supposed to calm you down. How many calmatives have uh, there been out there? You know, squeezy little things to calm you down. Fidgets uh, were the latest, and then they disappeared. And back in the 70s, it was a pet rock. I mean, for real, a pet rock. And you just looked at it, and it was your pet. And then somehow they explained you don't have to take it out. Uh, It doesn't shed. I mean, just all kinds of really stupid stuff. And in the meantime, they sold millions of them. I mean millions. So the guy was a marketing genius. If I were to tell you, take a rock, put it in a box, and what do you think? Wow. I bought one. Matter of fact, I bought a couple. 
So I will tell you uh, the, le- the legitimate uh, calmative, and I have found the best calmative in the world, and that's a drug called Lamictal. Now, it is a prescription drug, granted, uh, but you can ask my family how well it works. So, so there it is, your pet Lamictal. It's like Xanax, uh, Prozac, but it's, it's a different uh, group of, uh, it's a different family of drug. All right, guys. Oh, I was talking yesterday to uh, my uh, program director. I was talking actually to the, uh, the radio head here, and he remembers my pre days here at the station. Oh, man. It's an urban myth now. Uh, people could hear me at the other end of the building. All right, guys. Uh, we'll go ahead and take a break. It's uh, back we go. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Hello, John. John. All right, John. If you're listening to the radio, you have a delay going on. If you're in the bathroom, uh, unless I hear uh, the toilet flush in the next 10 seconds, uh, this is going to be over. Okay. Stick John on hold. We always give someone a second chance. You know, people are told, you know, there's a delay because we're frightened that you're going to say, you know, those magic words that shouldn't be said over the radio. So if you're going to say I'm going to dump you anyway, we're going to delete it. So I wouldn't even bother. But uh, let's continue on. Uh, okay, here's a John. And this one is worthwhile. Uh, hello, John. You're up. Hello. Yes. Um, um, I've been uh, smoking cannabis for 50 years. Yeah, you sound like it. My- <laughs> uh, you're you're pretty mellow, band. you know that. Hey, you know, let's let's Thank both you. do this. Hey, John, that, that's hey, my claim to fame. Yeah, dude, what's uh, up? I I live in my van, and I'm curious. That's now, a shocker too. If I if I get stopped, hey, it's a financial thing. Well, I do. Um, I get that because you you spend all your money on pot. I get it. No, 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 no. But any rate, so my question is this: Now, when police stop, sometimes they say. I want to search your van. Yes. And you say no. Right. And they go, okay, we're going to get a dog. All right. Now the dog is apparently sniffing for cannabis. Right. Now it's legal. Not yeah, not anymore. Cannabis is legal. You're saying that you're talking about now cannabis is legal, right? Y- yes. Yes, and that's I'm correct. Saying, yes, cannabis is legal. I, so I can have it in my van. And that does not give them grounds to go into my van. Well, uh, unless they argue you have been driving under the influence, but even then, all they can do is haul you out. If you say you can't search, they can't search. Unless they have probable cause that you've got a a bale and a half of uh, marijuana in your back, in the back of the van. But unless they have that, no, uh, they they absolutely cannot uh, stop you. Uh, or they absolutely cannot do the search. And they can't even pull you out of the van smelling marijuana if you're not driving the van. If you're over at, uh, if you're over the side of the road and you, there you are in your van and for some reason they come by and want to search the van, you go, hey, I live here. Uh, there, this is my home and I'm not driving. So therefore I'm not under the uh, influence. So no, they can't search your van. All right, very good. Okay. I, I'm just, you know, it's it's it sounds like something that's going to have to change because they that's a common thing for them to do. Yeah, no, no, I and don't think they, so. Not anymore because it's an illegal search and seizure. It's an illegal search. 
Oh no, I mean, I mean, be up till now. It, yeah. It's been a well, because thing. It, because it was it, marijuana it was illegal, and well, now and now it is, John. Yeah, I know. Yeah, did you get that, John? Oh, he's probably eating a donut right now because he can't control himself. All right, now let's see if we can go to the other John. Uh, hello, John. Are you there? Hi. There you are. Yes. Hi, Bill. Yeah. I have a restaurant, and um, I got a, a letter from a law office stating that a person that worked there a while back uh, fell and injured herself. Um, when I searched for this person who I never heard of before in our system and, and the records, there's no such uh, person, uh, whether employee or customer, that ever existed. Okay. So I, they're asking to uh, get in touch with our insurance company because they want to reach out and file a claim. Do yeah. I have to provide any information? Uh, no, not until they file a lawsuit. So what I suggest you do at this point is let them know there is there was never an employee. There is not and there is never an employee that has ever worked for us. And would they yeah, please? I would, wrote that letter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and if they keep yeah. on going... Uh, you pray, you pray they keep on going. You can turn it over to your okay. insurance company and they will write the same letter back saying okay. uh, that we deny the claim because John has never had an employee of that name. And if they continue on and pray the law firm continues on, because at okay. that point, once they cannot prove there is someone there, once it is established that you never had an employee and they're going ahead and manufacturing a claim or trying to commit fraud, clearly this is fraud, then uh, you've got them. Then you go to a lawyer and you get them for malicious prosecution, abuse of process. Okay. You got them, you got them. So uh, just pray they keep on going. And I'm assuming, well, these are a lot of scammy law firms. Go, oh, what a shocker. There are scammy law firms out there. Uh, it's, uh, But I don't think uh, they, they can't be that stupid uh, because they're, uh, yeah, that's just crazy. That's a state bar complaint. Uh, that's really, really a mess. But there are lawyers that do that. There are lawyers that do that. Uh, and uh, I, I was sued uh, a frivolous lawsuit a couple of years ago. And the jury came back. They went to jury trial on it. And the jury came back 12 to 0 in my favor. I sued them. I sued them for malicious prosecution. We got a very healthy settlement. So, you know, it's what happens. All right. uh, Let's talk about privacy for a moment. Uh, Your privacy, uh, which you don't have. None of us have privacy. There's so much information out there. Smart home devices now are another way to in, in, in invade your privacy. Remember, story just came out about you know the, the various uh, smart home systems. What I don't, don't want to mention names: Alexa, Echo, and a few other ones. And so, what do you do to protect yourself? Well, uh, let me tell you about LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. What LifeLock does is identify a wide range of identity threats, and then if someone is For example, applying for credit in your name, they instantly alert you. And now there you are. You've got the information and all your defenses are there. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction at every business. But LifeLock can see those threats that you probably will miss. And then you're safe or safer, a lot safer. So get uh, 10% off your first year use the promo code handle call 800 lifelock 800 lifelock or go to lifelock.com promo code handle for 10% off 
That's lifelock.com, promo code HANDLE. This is Handle on the Law. And uh, welcome back. Bill Handle here on a Saturday morning right until 11 o'clock. Followed by Leo Laporte. And then today, this afternoon at 2 o'clock, uh, Neil Saavedra is uh, broadcasting from, uh, what the hell does he call it? Uh, uh, the Taco something or other, the Taco-rama, uh, somewhere downtown. Uh, you can tell all the tacos and it's sold out. But he's going to broadcast. If you enjoy hearing about tacos, oh, this afternoon, 2 to 5. I'll figure out the name of this thing. All right, back we go. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Hello, Lydia. Hi, yes, Hi. this is me. Yes, it is. You have, a, ta- you have a tattoo, right? Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Yes, um, I, I would like to know, uh, this fellow is a laborer, uh, a woman, uh, 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 um, she, he, um, she hired him for a, a, a year and did all this work for him and, only, and had, her, had her son give, her, give him one a check for about a month, and then now he, and he was asking, you know, well, how can we? And then we went down, and I, I went with him. He went and knocked on the door. He called her. He called her. Nothing, nothing. That she hasn't given him a penny. And then he wants to. He, All right. He, so, he uh, so he waits a second. He worked for a year. He worked for a year and never oh, got yeah, paid. And he never no, got paid. One, one, no, just one check for about a month. Or All so. right. He got paid and, for a and month then, and then continued on for eleven months, not working for a year. Yeah. Wow. Working, working, working okay. And he'd also, and, and then she said, and, and I want some plants too. So get the plants. So he get the plants with his own money, about five, six hundred dollars from Torrance. Oh, he bought he bought and, plants in addition to yeah, not getting paid. For, she want, I want plants. Yeah, but but I'll I'll, I'll pay you when every everything is done with. But they never paid him. And now, but they never paid him. Never paid him. And he no, went for paid. and he went for a year. Any particular reason he waited a year? Well, because he thought that, that he was, she was, you know, uh, honest, and he for a said, year, yeah, yeah, yeah. for a year, yeah, for a year, for a year, uh-huh. Yeah, because she promised, he says, "Oh, I'll pay one." I know, I understand, but uh, you know, come back to for a year. So now, theoretically, yeah. he can make a claim uh, with uh, the state on this one, but they may deny his claim because uh, he was so dumb to wait a year. <laughs> I know. So, uh, yeah. No, that, that, but the point is, the point is, he's kind of an idiot. So, uh, go yeah. to, uh, there's, a, just, go to the state of California, Labor Relations Board, uh, Department of Yeah, Indi- that's what I thought. Yeah. Labor good, good. Oh, he, Any, okay, great. Thank he, you very much. You can ramble on by yourself. Uh, that's just fine. Just keep on going, you know, enjoy yourself. Okay. Um, Lynn. Hi, Lynn. Good morning, Bill. Yes, ma'am. Like homeowners Association picks and chooses yeah. certain laws from the CCNRs that they enforce, but refuse to enforce many others. Mm-hmm. Because of this selective enforcement, does the board of directors, the Homeowners Association, lose their right to enforce any of the rules? That's a very good question. Uh, and uh, no, no, I don't think they lose their right to enforce. Uh, the argument is uh, that they have to be fair in how they enforce. So let me start with, Lynn, have you been screwed by any of these decisions? No. Okay, so uh, so you particularly don't have standing because you haven't been discriminated. Can you get yourself on the board? Can you uh, get yourself elected? 
Well, that brings up a, a very interesting point. They, the board of directors fails to attempt. Well, they fail to get a quorum at the annual meeting. So get so you so, get a, so you get a quorum. You go around and say, "Hey, uh, we need a quorum." Just go knock on every door. Because if they if they fail to get a quorum, that's your fault. I'm talking about yours, uh, the homeowners, not, not you specifically. Right. Uh, so that is your fault because you're handing all the power over to the board. You have to be there. You have to. And that's the only way you're going to do it. And then you're going to argue selective enforcement. And then you're going to argue uh, to the attorney representing the board. There's all kinds of violations here. And you can get going on that. But uh, you have to make yourself heard. You know, it's not a question of calling me. You have to call them. Right. I, I just wanted to get this. They're also attempt. They don't make the attempt at the to convene a second annual meeting. As it depends on whether they uh, they have to or not. It depends on whether they have to. You look at the CCNR. The yeah, then no, they have the to, and they're in violation. They so you contact the attorney. That's it. That's what you do. Did I hang up on her correctly? I'm hoping I did. All right, uh, Sean. I'll figure out how to use this phone system. It's brand new. Hello, Sean. You there? Good morning, Bill. Yes, sir. Uh, I appreciate it, Kendra. I just thought I'd give you a call to see if I had a case. Okay. Um, my uh, my father uh, left me when I was uh, a newborn, but about thirty years ago, he sent me about three thousand dollars a request to my mother. But he passed away ten years ago. I just found this out. And I know he had quite a bit of money and, and some property up in Washington State. And I was wondering if uh, it's possible to open up his estate. Well, it uh, depends on... Well, no, hold on a minute. First of all, if there uh, was a will, then that will is a public document because it was probated. And, it, there, mm-hmm. and there it is right there. You can go to the county where he died and uh, just have the recorder pull it up. Uh, and I think you may even be able to do it on the internet uh, because it is a public document. You see what it says. And if you're a beneficiary, okay. uh, and if you're a beneficiary and you got screwed by the executor, uh, yeah, then you start talking. Now, a lot of this issue is maybe a statute issue because we're talking about when thirty years ago. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna have a tough time on the statute business uh, because okay. I think uh, the statute started when you were nine, eighteen, and uh, so I'm glad you waited twelve years to call me. Uh, yeah, that's very smart. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the first thing you do is uh, see what the will says. And uh, then you'll call me again, and I'll ask you again, how long has it been? You'll say 30 years, and I'll tell you uh, to go pound sand. It all works out. Neil! Hi, Neil! Oh, Neil, you're not listening to the radio, are you? I got him on the radio. I'm going to talk to this guy. Yeah, that's KFI. right. You, yeah, you are going to talk to me. Neil? Yeah, you'll hear me. Yeah. Ne- oh, oh, boy. I love these. Neil? Here. Neil? Neil? Hang up. Uh, turn the radio off. All right. Yeah, see, there's uh, a delay. Turn the radio off, Neil. And then you no, can no start. No, radio. I just walked out of the garage. Oh, good. Okay. See, I'm thinking with the echo, it's still uh, the radio. Are you on uh, Bluetooth or something? No, just a regular telephone. Okay, got it. All right, I'll take it. All right, what can I do for you? Yeah, hi. Uh, a, a few years back. Oh, that's always I, a bad sign. Whenever we start a few years back, that's a bad way to start this conversation. Okay, let's just go on. A few years back. Why don't we tell? Why don't we ask this question? How many years back? 
Actually, uh, 2014. All right. 15. So how many? Uh, so uh, all right, five, six years back, right? Okay. I had I I ran out of insurance because I work in the motion picture industry. So there was a lapse in my coverage, and I started calling around for Obamacare. So I called Obamacare, and then uh, while I was on the phone with them, they were saying Medi-Cal, but I said Obamacare, so I paid money and I got Obamacare. So now I receive, all the time I receive letters from Medi-Cal, and I'm also receiving something called a state recovery. Yeah, they're trying to get money from you. Well, they want to get my house, they say, when I die. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Okay. Uh, so you get to call the folks at Medi-Cal and say you never applied for Medi-Cal. Is that correct? Because that's, that that's a formal application. Okay. Uh, well, I, right now, where I'm coming from is I have, I have insurance now. I retired with a full medical insurance all right did you have hold on so you were on medi-cal did you apply for medi-cal i never applied for medi-cal but i'm on medi-cal but i never used it I well nobody cares card. nobody cares if you've used it or not because medi-cal okay. is an insurance uh policy it's if you need medical and if you don't need medical you still pay i mean i pay uh every month i pay a fortune and i haven't used my insurance i haven't gone to the doctor for several months so but i'm still paying so that doesn't help uh, in other okay, words, what you're you, you have? Wait, I'm sorry, Bill. You have Medi-Cal? No, 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 no. I, what I'm saying, you, you said I didn't use it. Okay. Okay, uh, but I never, I never paid. I never used it. All uh, Medi-Cal, you don't pay. Medi-Cal, you don't pay for. Medi-Cal. I understand, but I've never actually got Medi-Cal right. or used it or anything. Got All it. I get is things in the mail right. from them. Want, called, right. Okay. Okay, you want to contact them and say I never applied. I've had. Uh, I've had private insurance through the exchange. I wouldn't say Obamacare because that's not the name of the insurance plan. It's through it's through the exchange. It's through the state. Uh, it's through the state exchange. And you say there's obviously a mix uh, mix up. I've never applied, uh, and I've had private insurance. I don't know how I got on Medi-Cal, and I don't know the money. It's now a conversation. You may have fallen through the cracks, and you simply have to have the conversation start. And unless you die anytime soon. I wouldn't worry about it uh, in terms of them getting back the money. I mean, they'll say, when you die, we'll get the house. But that's way, way down the road. And if they do take it when you die, hey, do you really care? You're dead at that point. (laughs) Hey, you know, but you know what? I did go to social services office and I spent three hours in there and the girl there said, Everything is okay. You right. don't, you're then, off. Uh, well, then you have to reply to that letter. I think you've fallen through the cracks is what happened. Okay. I did reply to the lady, and she seemed kind of happy. Not when the lady. Said, no, no, no. Not the lady. Whoever wrote the letter. Right, well, I did. She was her name. Well, I won't give you her name. She was from the estate recovery. Okay. When I you said, write to her. Do don't really call. Don't call. You write. Everything is in writing. And you say, this is a mistake. Ask to, for them to start an investigation. That's what you need, an investigation. Wow. Why am I getting so exercised? And I don't know. Today, um, you know what I think it is? It's because our uh, super-duper engineer uh, and uh, the producer of the show, the executive producer, the guy who also runs the board, say I've been entirely too nice to people. I've been too calm. I haven't attacked people enough. Blake, do you feel better? Okay. Thumbs up! 
This is Handle on the Law. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Oh, back we go to the phones. Uh, hey, Russell. Hey, Bill. Great yes. show. Yeah, thank hey, you. Uh, my uh, wife uh, is a this signer of a American Express card. But anyway, she lets her son that's 38 years old use it to make sure he has food and gas and all that stuff to get his family around and all this. So she gets a bill after a month. $30,000 on it. And one night he had spent uh, like $10,000 in a stripper club mm. up in Vegas. And mm. uh, American Express never called her. And he'd been there at, at the stripper club on several different occasions. And uh, anyway, uh, do you think she would have to be responsible? Sure, I mean, of course she would. Buy an iTunes. Of course she I would. Buy an okay. All right. Why wouldn't she? I mean, think about this. Do you think they have yeah, a duty to call? And and here's the other thing I want to throw at you. He had been at that stripper club or had spent money on strippers before. Yeah. So that is that's another problem. So no, they had no duty to call. I mean, I had that same problem, and uh, my wife got very upset with me with the amount of money that I spent on strippers. And then uh, she investigated it and went through American Express, and uh, it was it was even worse because they were incredibly ugly strippers. And to spend that much money on under those circumstances is completely crazy. Oh, uh, okay, Keith. There you go, Keith. As I look to see whose call I want to take, Keith, what can I do for you? Hey, thanks. Hey. Uh, Bill, so I've been working at a very small manufacturing company for nearly 30 years. Wow. Uh, Yeah, well, it was a family business, and now I'm the only one left. So I've been here for by myself for probably five years. Um, At this point, uh, business is so slow, um, I'm out looking for other work, but there are business obligations, and there are orders coming in, but literally every dime that comes in has to pay company obligations. So... I haven't taken a check since October of 2018. So wow. we're going to what, like seven, seven months. Yeah. I've been living off my savings. I've been living off my savings. What I'm wondering is, since I'm not drawing a salary from my company, even though I haven't been fired, am I eligible for like unemployment? No, you would have business? to. You would have to leave the company. Now they're in violation of the law by not paying you. Clearly, so that's one issue. The other issue is. You can't still be working for a company and then file for unemployment because, you know, let's look at the word unemployment. What do you think that means? Well, I'm not drawing a salary. That doesn't matter. You're still employed. One thing is that that when you look up unemployment, the word does not say, well, if you're not drawing a salary, therefore you're not employed. Not true. They just owe you money. So uh, if you quit, if you quit your job, you're not. All right, that's te- that's true technically, but if you're not being paid, then you're quitting under the circumstances where you still probably still uh, draw unemployment. And uh, this is, uh, I'm sure that under those circumstances, I don't do employment law. As a matter of fact, I don't do much of any law. But it's, uh, I think, under those circumstances, you could you'd have to formally quit. Okay. You would have to, I believe, then file for unemployment. And when they put you down, you say you have not been paid in five months. They don't have the ability to pay me. Uh, therefore, I was forced to leave. 
So I'm not quitting. Okay. I was just forced to leave. I mean, there's no job there anymore. If they don't have the money to pay you, there is no job. And under right. those circumstances, I believe you're still eligible for unemployment insurance. However, uh, <laughs> since that is a technical issue and it deals with unemployment law, I'm going to suggest uh, you ask someone who knows what the hell they're doing specifically because I don't want you to screw yourself over. Well, actually, don't I don't know care. What you're talking about? Pardon? You don't know what you're doing? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> well, not. So go, yeah, please. I don't know. Why do you call me? I have no idea. So we love you, Bill. Uh, well, there you are. Uh, there. So go to handleonthelaw.com and look at our that we have employment specialists, and uh, cool. just yeah, call one of them. And these guys know what they're doing. They'll be more than happy to answer your question. And uh, then yep. you'll be able to find out whether or not you get paid. My guess is, though, when you look at it, just isn't that logical? First of all, uh, unemployment means you're unemployed. You can't very well say, yeah, I'm still employed because they haven't paid me. That's the other issue. That's the violation of state law in terms of paying people. So it just makes sense to me. But, you know, always check, for God's sake. Always get a second opinion. You know, I'm one of those people where, imagine, okay, how about this? Here's the way I want you to perceive this show. Your primary doctor has a bone through his nose and is dancing around the room with a dead chicken and giving you uh, medical advice. Do you get a second opinion? The answer is yes. This is Handle on the Law. Uh, just finishing up chewing on my Lunchable. So I mistimed that one. Okay. Last swallow. All right. Uh, morning, everybody. Handle here uh, right up until 11 o'clock. Leo Laporte and then Neil Saavedra at 2, uh, broadcasting from uh, downtown L.A. at... Oh, damn, what's the name of that place? I call it Taco Rama. Well, it really doesn't matter. Uh, it's going to be a live broadcast from the uh, this taco festival. Takanita. Takanita. Nita. Takanita. 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 Potato. Potato. Yes. Taco. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Potato. Potato. Yeah. Takanita. And so I call it Taco Rama, and it just makes a lot more sense. All right. Uh, phone number eight hundred. Oh no, we're full anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, you get to wait uh, until the uh, lines don't uh, get full. You see, I'm telling you, when I say top of the hour, jump in. I'm serious because there'll be people. You know what I do? You call up, and there'll be people that I put on hold for an hour and a half just to screw with them. You know, just to hey, you've been waiting a while. A quick question. I go nope, and then I hang up. I just, you know, when I tell you to jump on the phone, that's good advice. Probably that's the best advice I'm going to give you all day long. All right. Why don't we just start? What do you think? This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case whatsoever. Okay, out of Colorado. Do you remember the lawsuit uh, about the Masterpiece uh, Cake Shop where uh, the the owner of uh, the bakery, Jack Phillips, refused to bake cakes for gay marriages, the wedding cakes, because they violated his Christian belief. And so it was a Colorado Civil Rights Commission that nailed him for that. He sued them. Supreme Court said it is legitimate 
for him to say no because they bought his argument. He is an artist who uses cakes as a canvas to express his ideas and celebrate events. And therefore, under that theory, uh, he can say no because an artist can say no to whoever. Fair enough. He wins twice. Now, the people, now he's being sued individually because we're not talking about suing the commission who nailed him. We're talking about him being sued personally, saying that you are discriminating against us, that is, uh, the gay couple. And he could argue a bunch of things, uh, and he will. You know, for example, one gay couple wanted to come in, and, you know, the two uh, men in tuxedos on top of the cake, and they wanted to have uh, a, a somehow they look like they're doing horrifically unmentionable things to, to each other on top of the cake. And he said, absolutely not. So the point we're going to make is, do they, does the court uphold this one that it is a canvas? They already have. But remember, this is a, this is an individual lawsuit. By the way, the commission and uh, the plaintiff originally, after all this was done, dropped their cases after a couple of uh, decisions because uh, the court said that there was an anti-religious hostility from the state towards this bakery. So uh, the takeaway here is if you're gay, you know, go to another bakery. It's that simple. Now, I personally think he should be nailed for it. I personally think if you are selling products to the public, then what do you do? Uh, you could say my Christian belief. And it happened with a pharmacist, a few pharmacists uh, who said they wouldn't sell birth control uh, to people who came in with prescriptions saying it violated their personal belief. You know what the court said? Get another job. Then don't sell drugs to these people. And the way the end around, if there are two pharmacists or three pharmacists here, this is against one of the big pharmaceutical or one of the big pharmacies is uh, that the person who had a religious issue with that just had another uh, pharmacist fill that prescription. Well, if there is no other pharmacist on duty and the pharmacist says no, that's illegal. You've got to do it. And so court said, you know what? Don't be a pharmacist then. That's fine. So I think this is much the same way. And he here's how he gets around it. No wedding cakes. I don't do wedding cakes. Now, no one can argue discrimination. Okay. Uh, All right. Oh, good one here. Uh, Hilda. Hi, Hilda. Hi, uh, how are you today? I I have a really quick question. I adopted a canine roughly four weeks ago. That's a dog, right? Yes, a dog. Okay, excellent. Uh, I feel better. Large dog. A large dog. Yes. And my grandkids went outside, ride their bikes, left the front door open. My dog got out. They happened to be in front of a, my neighboring, uh, some neighbors. And they have a dog that's tied up in the front. Obviously, there was an altercation when my dog went to go follow the boys to the house. Altercation. And the owner came out of the house, saw what was going on, and tried to get them apart, hitting my dog, tried to get them apart. My question to you is, what are my consequences on something like well, that? Well, was the dog hurt? Was the other dog hurt? I did not see it being hurt. I think they were just kind of biting each okay, other. Okay, well, that's, those are, so those are the consequences. If the dog was yes. injured, if your yes. dog ate the other dog, 
then uh, those are the damages, whatever the vet bills are. And uh, the bottom line is you are fully responsible because your dog was uh, free out there. The other dog was tied up in the yard on the property of the owner. So all you can do is hope that uh, that the other fellow's dog isn't too badly injured by yours. No, actually, the other dog had more my dog. She's more of a calmer dog, but I don't think that's... So your dog was was injured more? Yeah, she okay. was a little bit more. It was, okay. I don't think it was that bad. All right, so what's your question? So what, what's your my question? My question is, my, uh, I just want to see what my consequences, consequences are. Getting, the consequences are getting sued, and no, you yes. don't know, and you don't get a lawyer, and if it's a big enough case, you turn it over to your homeowner's insurance. That they're asking for homeowners. No, the letter that I received saying that the, my my dog attacked the. Wait owner. a minute! You that's, didn't put. You didn't say true. that. You got. You have a no. letter from from whom? From a lawyer. Ah, See, okay. So now you're being now you're being says, now yeah. you're being sued. Yeah. Turn it over to your homeowner yeah. association. Just turn it over. Yeah, to just the turn home. it over. That's what you pay for. Just turn it over to your homeowner association. They'll negotiate with uh, the lawyer, and the lawyer is going to argue horrific damages uh, to uh, his client's dog, and the client's dog will never be the same again. He'll the dog. The dog is emotionally distressed. Will have nightmares for the rest of his life. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that I can tell you right now, I can write that lawsuit because I know exactly what it's going to say. Permanent, okay. um, not only physical, but permanent emotional damage to where the dog will never be the same again. Okay. That's okay. what's going to happen. Your homeowner association will pay probably a very token amount of money. And uh, I love it. No damages. See, these are lawyers that will take anything on. I mean, I love this. You know, what, is, what does a lawyer do? Right, the guy walks into the office. We're talking about the plaintiff. Walks in and said, uh, "The Hilda's dog, my next door neighbor's dog, attacked my dog. They got into a scuffle of some kind, and so uh, Hilda's dog did not uh, was not on a cha- was not uh, was not on a leash. My dog was. Oh, there's no question. It's 100 percent liability. Now let's talk damages. What are the damages? Now it gets interesting. What do you do when you have a couple of dogs in a scuffle? And there isn't any big deal, right? The vet bills are minimal or non-existent. How much do you sue for? What do you think that's worth? It's a dog. Now, I know people look at their dogs and their kids, and they're all connected to their dogs in a major way. And, you know, we've gotten into this discussion before. Oh, my dog is my child. No, it's not. It's your dog. Well, I feel like it's my child. It doesn't matter. I feel like my children are my dogs. What difference does it make? Nobody cares how you feel. It is a dog. Your kids are your kids. Huge difference. So the damage is going to be virtually non-existent. This is Handle on the Law. Every time I move, every step that I take, everywhere I look, it's right in front of my face. My foot in the shadows. And good morning, Handle here as we continue with a Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Hi, Travis. You're on. Welcome to the show. What can I do for you? Hey, Bill. Yes, sir. Well, uh, this food bank's uh, saying they're giving free food and you get there and they charge them money for it. Is oh, that legal? Okay. Uh, well, first of all, let's start with uh, there's a reason they call it a food bank. Uh-huh. You ever heard of a bank giving away free anything? Uh, so uh, I'm just I'm just screwing with you. Uh, 
they, you know, what do you do? I mean, let, let's say they are falsely, I guess, advertising. Where did you hear? Where do they say? Where do they write that they're giving away free food? Uh, on the Internet. You Google the name of the place and it comes up. Food bank, free food, certain days and times. Okay. And you go there, there those days and times and then they end up charging you for the food. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is it legal? Probably not. But problem is, what are the damages? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the no big. Damage. That's the big issue. Uh, you know, what uh, are what are the damages? It's. I'm assuming it's a nonprofit, correct? Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. Sure you want to look if it's a nonprofit. It's a nonprofit. It depends on whether how far you want to go. I mean, you're not going to get any money. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to complain. Yeah. And, you got uh, it. You can slap them. You can slap them uh, down. Uh, then you want to do the nonprofits. You contact the state of California. And I don't know which agency uh, controls uh, the nonprofit. I think Secretary of State, whichever it's – that's an easy one to figure out. I just don't have, you know, the Internet in front of me, nor would I if I had it, would I care. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. Uh, they're, if they're saying it's free food and they're not, they're in violation of their own policies and certainly the advertising. Because the answer is, uh, is it illegal? It's not a crime, but it uh-huh. is uh, – uh, you're absolutely right. They shouldn't do that. So it depends on how much work you want to do just to punish them, because they're certainly yeah. punishable. I mean, you're right when you say uh, that's that's a no no. They shouldn't do that. All right. So I mean, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, how do you argue with that? Free food and there is no free food. Ray, hello, Ray. Yeah. Uh, hey, yes, sir. Um, my grandparents they're uh, going through a divorce, and. Um, my step grandfather, he's kind of his family's kind of shady. Um, they basically, for the reverse mortgage, is supposed to be uh, split uh, split between both of them. Um, you're talking, they, about, you're talking you know, about the money that's coming off a reverse mortgage. Yes. Okay. So it, it went to litigation. Um, the judge ordered my uh, their side of the family, step grandfather, to split it uh, clear. Um, evenly, and he did make it clear that it had to be done that same day. Well, basically, they've been delaying. Uh, it's been several days, and uh, well, several days isn't going to do much. I mean, even okay. though the judge said you have to do it today, uh, several days isn't going to affect you very much because, uh, in order to nail them, there has to be a motion made for contempt. That's going to take uh, you a couple weeks to get into court, at least. And the judge will hold them in contempt and uh, give them a fine or whatever they do. Plus, of course, you get the money. I'd wait beyond a few days. Give it a week. You know, give it a week and then write a letter or whatever. Say, hey, we're about to go to court and you're going to get nailed with attorney's fees on this one. That the judge will do. On a contempt order, the judge will say not only ordering, of course, the money to be paid immediately again, but also holding uh, the stepfather in contempt of court and paying all attorneys' fees, including yours. Okay. So give yeah, give it some time. I mean, a few days. Uh, a few days in the law doesn't really matter. That's not the end of the world, uh, because you know judges take forever to issue decisions. They go, "I'll take it under advisement." I mean, it happens all the time. Small claims court, a judge will take it under advisement and wait two weeks before you see it. Chris, hi, Chris. Oh, you know what, Chris? Hey, let me going? let me stick you on hold, and uh, right. we'll and we'll come back to you, okay? Right. Yeah, because uh, we're going to be running out of time for this segment. 
But I do want to spend a minute talking to you about privacy. There is a recent survey found that privacy is the number one concern about smart home devices. That's the new one of invading of your privacy. Uh, Most of us, three quarters, believe that those smart home devices listen to us. And, And they do. And they do. So there's another one, right? There are so many threats in today's connected world. It takes one weak link, which is why I'm going to suggest you talk to the folks at LifeLock, which I've been a customer for way north of a decade. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity thefts, uh, threats, like let's say your social security number for sale on the web or someone uh, applying for credit in your name. Boom. There they are. You get the information. You get the alert. alert and if there's a problem, uh, they'll work to fix it. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction at every business. But with LifeLock, that's protection. So call 800-LIFELOCK. Use the promo code HANDLE. 10% off your first year. LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE. 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE. Or contact LifeLock.com. This is Handle on the Law. You got some change. Welcome back. Handle on the law. 800-520-1534. 520-1534. Back we go. More phone calls. Handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. All right, Steve. Uh, out of uh, Georgia, which is kind of interesting. Steve, what can I do for you? Hi. Um, so I had my roof done uh, about four months ago. Um, there's a leak. Um that was found soon after. Um, and I've had the guy come out like four or five times already. And at this point, he's kind of dodging my calls. So I want to uh, have someone else basically, you know, fix the roof. And right. uh, uh, I don't know if I need to get like one estimate from another roofer or like more than one. Yeah, well, you're talking about your small claims court case, right? Yeah. Okay. And then do I need to also have the roofer fix it before? No, no, not at all. Here are the rules of small claims, or they're sort of universal. Uh, The more you have and the more organized you are, the better. So uh, let's start with uh, you don't have to have it fixed at all. You simply have to have a bid on what it would cost to fix it. And uh, Mm -hmm. one one, uh, bid is probably enough. Get two. That way, the argument uh, from the other side isn't that you got some astronomical bid just to get extra money. Nope. Here are two bids, and they're sort of within each other by whatever. So uh, actually, three bids would even be better. But you don't want to ever do more than three. But two works. One is uh, can at least be argued. So you bring in the bid. You have to write to the roofer that did your job. And you have to send it to him in writing, email, I don't care, anything that can be proven. If you don't fix it right now or don't pay me to fix it, I'm taking you to small claims court. Then you're done. Uh, Then he can say, I will fix it. I'm not. And then you say, I just don't trust you. But he has to be given a chance to mitigate. You're saying he came out already, correct? Well, yeah, he's he's been out several times. Okay, that's enough. Um, That's enough. Then let him... Okay. Well, I've I've had like I, we we got a brand new roof. Um, the last time he came out, he basically put a patch over. Okay, hold on. What, Wait, hold on a minute. Oh. 
brand new roof that leaked, and yeah. then he came out to fix the leaks, or did he put in the roof? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a brand new roof that they're supposed to install. Okay, so are you talking? Been, wait, wait, I'm confused. Now you got me confused. Okay. All right, so let's go all through right. the chronology. You get a brand new roof, correct? Correct. All right, and it starts to leak. So, yes, and starts to, and there's okay. a spot where it's leaking. All right, I have him come out. All right, who is him? Another roofer uh, or so the same the company? No, no, the sa- same roofer. All right, same roofer, and he comes out and he doesn't do the job. It's still leaking, right? Correct. Okay. Now that and he's come do, out, do I, do I do I need to give him like still need to give him chances? I mean, he's I don't think so. Dodging my no, balls. no, okay. no. So I can you, I just take him straight to? Yep, yep. But you have okay. to because uh, you just have to explain in the court. You've given him lots of chances, and he won't show up, and you're done. You had to. You, you've done everything you have to do. So now let's set up what you do in small claims court. You bring in the bids. You get the photos. Uh, hopefully, the bids include. Yes, there is a leak, and it's defective, so he can't argue because he's going to argue you don't know what the hell you're talking about in terms of roofing. He's the expert, and you're telling the judge, I'm not talking, I'm not relying on this. I'm not saying this. Here's an expert who said that the roof is defective and it needs a leak. And then any photographs you can take uh, as far as damage to the roof or anything to prove uh, prove that it's leaking. So you have that. Yeah, I actually have a video of it. That's even better. Leaking, so. so you lay you lay that out. You bring in a computer so the judge can see it. And then you just lay it out and, and just lay everything out chronologically. Set it all up. A, B, C, D. The timeline, when you talked, what he did, the phone calls that you made. And just lay that out. You don't have to prove it. You could just testify because you don't have to go all the way back and get your phone records. And uh, and I don't go ahead. I don't need to like threaten him to. No, say, you're, oh, done. You no you're done. No, you're done. No, you're done. Okay, you're done. He's tried right. to come out a bunch of times, and you've and you've already called him, and he's dodging your phone calls. And you simply say that to the judge. Keep it short. Yeah. Keep it sweet. Bring your evidence. Make it chronological. Make it as short as you can. And that, make it as easy as you can for the judge to say, okay, you got it. That's how you do it in small claims court. Thank all you. right? And then you're going to lose because uh, judges are a bunch of morons. But that's all you can do. And judges really appreciate that, by the way. Uh, they love it when you're organized. They love it when you keep it short. They love it when you don't go and, and explain extemporaneously what's going on, your opinion, none of that. Uh, just boom, boom, boom. It's that simple. All right, Chris, it's your turn. Hi, Chris. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Uh, yeah, I got a question about a trust. Yes. Uh, I had a brother. He was uh, put in charge of the trust, and uh, apparently the, the money was doled out in January of 2017. And uh, I'm finding out now that uh, before the trust money was split evenly, there was a, a loan taken out on a house that was supposed to be put for sale. And uh, the trustee and his sister kept the money from Ooh, that. Okay. So they stole the money from the trust. They stole some of it, but uh, not all of it. Well, what, what is the part they stole? Uh, well, they took a $50,000 loan out before they dealt out any of the money. From all right, the so they stole so they, a loan uh, that they took yeah. out. They and were... also, also, they were supposed to have a, a split of the property the, that was left from the home five ways. And instead, they held a yard sale and kept that money, and they never gave that. All right. So how, so give me an, an idea of how much they took from the trust. Uh, well, there, 
the total on the home, I believe, was seven hundred and thirty thousand. How much did they take? How much did they, I don't want to know the totals? How much you think they 50, took? Fifty thousand. Fifty plus whatever they sold on uh, the on the, uh, the art sale. sale. Okay, and that's going to be a little yeah. speculative. Okay. And also, uh, when I had a car at the house, and when my mother died, I don't know what happened to the car either. All right, so you're going to add add all that up. You're going to need a lawyer. Yeah. You're and gonna, I couldn't get, I didn't know where they lived, and I tried to get hold of them. And, uh, all right, you're going to need a private I, investigator. So has everything, well, I found, has everything I else? Finally, I finally located them. Okay, great. So now what? All right, I tried to find them, and that's totally irrelevant. You know where they are. Okay. Now, you yeah. uh, you need a lawyer. I believe you mm-hmm. need a lawyer. The question is, you're going after 50 grand, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But because they stole, uh, you're going to ask for attorney's fees back, too. Now, whether you get it or not is something completely different because they're in breach of fiduciary duty. Actually, it's a criminal act, what they did. If the police get involved, then you're then you're home free because the court will order restitution on a criminal. Go ahead. Excuse me. One, I have one question. Is there a way that this can be hashed out between the trustee and myself? Sure. The court? Sure. Call them up. And say, hey, you stole 50 grand. What do you want to do about it? Do I call the police? Is that what I do? And I'll try to, and I'll have you arrested for theft? You breached your fiduciary duty and you stole money from a trust. That's, that's grand theft. That's embezzlement. It's more embezzlement than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, call him. Scream at him. Sure. But the bottom line is you need a lawyer. Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Yeah, good morning, Bill. How are you? Good. Let's go. What can I do for you? I'm sorry. Yeah, I was rear-ended in October, uh, and this woman totaled my Jaguar completely. Ooh, and Jaguar. Mm. Yes, that's how hard she hit me. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, I have neck and back injuries permanently now. Uh, and uh, my lawyer now tells me she only had $25,000 coverage, and to sign a release, we're done. And I'm going to get, after medical expenses and paying him, $2,000. Yeah. Wow. So my question to you, Bill, because you know everything, is he's telling me I have to now go to my AAA and use the $100,000 coverage that I have for non-insured motorists. That is is absolutely correct. You have have to go under your uninsured or underinsured policy. I'm glad you have $100,000 because that's good. I mean, I'd go more than that, but it. But, I did. But, he told me to go to yeah. He told me to go to two fifty bills. I've done that now. Uh, well, uh, if oh, you, you've done that after the fact. Correct. Okay. Definitely. Yeah, and, uh, it's it's a good lesson. But even a hundred grand isn't bad. You'll get a hundred thousand dollars. Really? Yeah, you'll get the hundred grand. Yeah, because your damages are higher than that. So what your attorney you know, is? Bill, go ahead. You're the best. I am the best. So, you are- all right. Yeah, that's great. Fantastic. And in the meantime. Uh, here's what happens, and uh, he just brings up a good point. And what happens when you have underinsured or uninsured motorist policy, and it's exactly what it sounds like. If the other side that's at fault is underinsured or not insured at all, you have coverage for that. So effectively, you're suing your own insurance company, but it doesn't count against you. It's a non-fault claim. You're just uh, making a claim uh, well, for example, let's say a tree comes down on your property. Uh, you're going against your own insurance company, but that's what that's why you have insurance. And that's why you have underinsured and uh, you have uninsured motorists. And uh, th- good for him that he got a hundred grand. And then he went to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars because you never know. You never know who might hit you and how 
badly the injuries are. And two hundred. in his case, how about just what is a Jaguar worth if it's just a few years old even? If it's a new one, there's your hundred grand right there. So there it is. And I completely agree with him, by the way. I'm the best. I couldn't be better. I am wonderful. I'm spectacular. What do you do with that, huh? What do you do with that? All right, this is Handle on the Law. Sometimes I feel like giving up, but I just can't. It isn't in my blood. And back I go, Handle here. Saturday morning, 800-520-1534. All right, uh, let's do it. More handle on the law, marginal legal advice. All right, uh, Tom, what can I do for you? Last year, about this time, I designed a website for a a commercial real estate uh, agent, and it was fine. She loved it. It's been up in January we made a deal that she would pay me for the year ahead to make monthly changes when she got new property. And so I said, I'll give you a deal if you pay me ahead of time or you can pay me monthly. Well, she paid me the whole year. So it was great. Now, last month, she has a radio person come in and says, oh, we do websites and your website needs to be redone. So she's real reactive and she said, okay, do the website, redone it. She told me I'm not doing the website anymore. And I said, fine. And she said, send me a check for the six months or seven months that you haven't done the updates. And I said, well, I'm not sending you a check back. I, I, haven't, I haven't changed the agreement. You have. Do I owe her the money? I wouldn't. I'd say no, because you're ready, willing, and able. She decided to pay you in advance. There's the contract. And uh, so she's, uh, I, I would argue she's breaching the contract. Unless uh, the monthly payment was against the work that you've done, or she just elect to say, hey, I'll pay you in advance. I, I mean, she's got, she has a case, certainly. But I would say no. I would say ready, willing, and able. We have a contract. And the fact that she uh, wanted to pay me in advance, uh, that that's great. And she's going to say, well, I paid you in advance for work you were supposed to do. And since we don't have a written contract that says it's going to be a year uh, and no refund, which I'm assuming is the case, correct? Well, there was nothing in there about a refund. Okay, what, then I would the I things? would say I would say well I would say no initially. How much are we talking about? What does she want? Well, she does very little updates because it's high end commercial. I, I don't care. I mean, how much how much money does she want? Uh, it's like seven eight hundred bucks. Well, total. Yes. All right. Let her take you to small claims court. Yeah. And, you, and well, you're going to argue ready, willing, and able. That's all. Uh, that's an easy one. Uh, Gary. Hi, Gary. Bill, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Very sure. Uh, Bill, I'm an executor of a uh, estate. In December of uh, last year, I received a letter from a law firm saying that the estate was entitled to about $1,000 in compensation uh, for a class action lawsuit. The letter also indicated that if I disagreed with that amount and uh, documentation, I did. In um, March of this uh, year, I received a uh, letter from uh, the law firm that um, that additional amount, say $10,000, was rejected. I spoke to you a few weeks ago, and if you could uh, just clarify why that amount was rejected. Wait a minute. You're talking about uh, the you there was an additional $10,000 on top of the $1,000 that Correct. the law firm said you were entitled to. 
Now, I was not entitled to that extra $10,000 claim was rejected. Okay, uh, but it, it was rejected by whom? The, the law firm. Uh, I received wait, a, wait, okay, uh, and wh- why $10,000? Explain to me. If they say that you, uh, you get $1,000 and all of a sudden $10,000 was mentioned, I don't understand where the $10,000 claim came from. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. In the letter, they said, if I disagreed with that $1,000, send documentation okay. supporting that amount. Okay. And bona fide receipts to all the right. and you sent law it. firm. And you sent it. Yes, I did. All right, and they said, no, thank you. Correct. Okay. Uh, so were they representing you? Or were they representing uh, the uh, Were they representing uh, the defendants? The defendants. All right. Well, then you can reject. You go ahead and sue them then for the ten thousand dollars. If you're part, and I don't understand quite, if you're part of the class action, this is a very complicated class action where instead of a straight settlement, I guess they're saying pursuant to uh, pursuant to uh, the. Uh, the claims that are made. So you got a $10,000 claim and uh, they all, all you can do is sue. I mean, there's nothing else. Right. Uh, Bill, uh, you had mentioned to me I could pull out of the uh, yes. class action suit and do it as an individual. Yeah, yeah. It's not feasible. Why? And I was just... Why isn't it feasible? Because, um, again, the uh, attorney's fees that I'd be... Uh, right. Okay. Well, to do it on... Leave. Yeah. Well, then you, they don't care. Right, I understand that. So what's what's so, uh, what? So what's your question? Is there any other alternative? No, no. And you can try small claims court. I don't know if that's going to fly because if you're talking ten thousand dollars, that's when the uh, within the jurisdiction. And I don't even know how you pull out of a class action suit. I think you can, but then it flows over to an individual claim, uh, and then you have to prove. Uh, you know, I don't even know if that works. If it's part of a settlement and you pull out, you're not part of the settlement. Then you have to go, and you, then you have to go from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, what are they willing to give you beyond the thousand dollars? Nothing, just the thousand dollars that they said. Well, the, the state was in. All right, then you've got then you then you've got a mess on your hands. Then you have to talk to a class action uh, lawyer about pulling out. How does that work? And you can go to handleonthelaw.com. We have lawyers that do class action. They're not going to file on your behalf. They're going to tell you how do I pull out. Then you sue uh, the defendant individually claiming $10,000 worth of damage. Now, here is the question. How do you know you were entitled to $10,000? Because the law firm said you were? No, I have uh, the bona fide receipts uh, that uh, the uh, estate... uh, No, I understand, but on what basis? Is it just a question of damages? Just a question of you getting your money back? Correct. All right, well, then find out if you can pull out. Then you go to small claims court on behalf of the estate. By the way, are you? You're, I'm assuming you're the executor of the estate. I, I am. Okay, then that's the way you do it. Uh, you get to call uh, a uh, a class action lawyer to find out how you get the hell out, and you may not be able to. And I don't know the answer to that because I don't do class action suits, and there's a lot I don't do, like virtually everything. All right, uh, let's uh, talk about your public Wi-Fi, even if it is password protected. Uh, it literally is like walking around with a big hole in your pocket. Uh, and except your wallet falling out of the hole, it's your private information that's falling out of the hole. The information you send and receive, uh, passwords, tax documents, social security number. I mean, all the information cyber criminals would love to have. And why? To steal your identity, of course. Which is why I'm suggesting Norton Secure VPN. 
This is a virtual private network that encrypts all of your connections, even on public Wi-Fi. So when you're getting coffee at Starbucks, you can use their Wi-Fi and not even worry about it. The information you send or receive is safe from those cyber criminals. That's VPN, Norton Secure VPN. It works on your laptop or a mobile device, and it doesn't matter. Sending, receiving information, it encrypts that information. So look and get Norton Secure VPN. Visit uh, Norton Secure, no, Norton.com slash VPN. That's the website. Norton.com slash VPN. Uh, protection starts at just three thirty three a month. Terms apply. Norton.com slash VPN. This is Handle on the Law. And uh, good morning, everybody. Handle here on a Saturday morning. Phone number 800-520-1534. I'm here for one more hour. Leo Laporte shows up at 11 o'clock till 2. Neil Saavedra at Takorama this afternoon. And it's, uh, what, Takiando? Takiando? Anyway, it's uh, he's doing this from downtown where there is a taco festival. It's all tacos. Nothing but tacos. Taco here, taco there, everywhere a taco. And uh, he's, well, if you want to know everything and anything about tacos, I mean, I think there are 50 different taco folks coming in. And uh, he'll be broadcasting from there, probably with his mouth very full. And uh, I'm going there, that's for sure. I'm going to Taco Land. Oh, yes, I will. Oh, I have to share this story with you before uh, we uh, take... Uh, as a matter of fact, let me do that story. Uh, yeah, hold on a minute. I, I know when I want to do that. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. So now I have a story I have to tell you. Uh, there is a very dear friend of mine who is a broadcaster here uh, at our radio station, uh, KFI, in Southern California. And uh, he is a food guy. And he's doing a, he's at broadcasting for a taco festival where everything's tacos. And I must tell you, uh, very early in my career, and I'd just become a lawyer and I'd gone to court. Now, this is one of those, uh, this will this would never happen today, ever in a million years. But this was 30 years ago or 25 years ago, and I was in court on some issue. And uh, the judge was, uh, it was an arraignment court in the calendar. I don't remember why I was there. But I was sitting, and he would arraign uh, a hookers, small-time crime. So uh, it, so one time, and he would do it in mass. They would do it as a group. There was a sting, and it was a some place, and uh, there, well, I don't remember where even, because the, the only part that I remember is what I'm going to tell you. So income a group of Hispanic ladies, all at one time being accused of prostitution. And as they're walking in, right, the bailiffs are bringing him in. He looks at everybody in the courtroom and goes, ah, here come the Taco Bells. Imagine a judge doing that today. 
Uh, frankly, I must tell you, everybody lost it uh, in the courtroom. It was uh, it was pretty impressive. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, those are, I have to tell you, what happened years ago, what people used to say, what comedians used to be get away with, what talk show hosts, talk shows used to get away with relative to, relative to today is unbelievable. If I said or I repeated or I was listening to something on talk radio 20 years ago, that show is over. It's done. Gone. That day. Can you imagine? Can you imagine doing that? Here come, oh, good Lord. All right, uh, let's go ahead and uh, take some uh, phone calls. Um, all right, Stevie, uh, we'll start with you. Hi, Stevie. Hey, yeah, you're the man, you're I'm, the man. I'm the man, yes. Um, what can I do for you? Yes, okay, so um, I have a uh, State Board of Equalization uh, resale number, uh, and what I do is I'll uh, sell safety gloves, I'll sell safety shirts, um, and where I go, I'm kind of discreet, uh, because I don't want to impose on the situation, but what is the situation legally? If I'm outside of a boundary of a property, I can just stand there, right? And I can just talk okay. to people. Now you're talking about, uh, on someone's property or outside of the property. Okay. I'm talking about where I, 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 I'll, I'll go to a public park and I'll just be there with my bag of wares, and I'll just be sitting there. I I think you can talk. I I would guess you could talk unless there's an ordinance say that no business can be done in a public park. I don't know, Uh, but then that's pursuant to either an ordinance or court law. I mean, the courts have said, uh, for example, there are uh, certain instances where you're on the the, the public sidewalk and you can sleep there, for example, because with a homeless issue, uh, and there are ordinances that say, well, you can uh, sell on public land for example i think in los angeles there was a settlement that you can have two carts one on each corner uh but you're in a park and all you're doing you're not selling you are selling or you're just talking what are you doing no what what, this is what i'm doing i have a bag of wares which is gloves and a few shirts and uh i just aimlessly i'm uh just sitting there and i i strike up a conversation with just a citizen and they say oh you got some nice work gloves how much are they well they're five dollars. That sure sounds to me like you're selling them. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, I, you know. So, you what's know. your question? So, so this is the question. If I have my, this is my basic question. I have a resale number. Okay, you got it's that. All right, out. you're licensed yeah, to do that. And, and if I have that in my possession, obviously I can show that. If let's say a peace officer comes into the park and he goes, "Oh, that's unusual activity." And I'll say, no, it's not really. It's not unusual. Right. Well, no, um, they, don't, they don't. Wait, wait. They don't throw you out for unusual activity. I mean, they can say uh-huh. that suspicious activity. You going around and stalking people, for example, or, okay. or going up to little mm. girls and going hi. Mm. Uh, that is uh, <laughs> that you're going to get in trouble with. But what you're saying is, if they come up and you are selling, and by the way, yeah. don't for a moment argue that you're not selling you're just striking up a conversation and they say oh they're the gloves you have them in a bag how do they know wait how do they know so so if they just see me exchanging money for the gloves I, i'll just wait a say, sec, wait a have, here's my There's, paperwork but hold on let's going. go back wait let's go back to you're exchanging mm-hmm. money for the gloves and someone else comes up and sees you selling the gloves to someone and they strike up a conversation and you're th- and they buy something you think that's not a sale because they started the conversation no no i'm not saying that bill i'm not saying that. okay then i understand my, where you're going 
Okay. Okay. Let me, this is where I'm going. Okay. Obviously I've got to sell my gloves. I do it three ways. I just have the bag out there and they look and they say, okay, that's interesting. Or I'll just mention to them, Hey, I got some safety gloves. Okay. $5. I speak. Okay. And then the third thing is I just, you know, I'll put them on my hands and I'll just, and they'll say, okay, this is cool. This guy's got something going. Okay. But that's not my question. My question is this. If someone who is in authority comes up to me and says, Hey, look at, I'm going to call the police now. And then the police show up and I say, Hey, look at, I have a right to do this. I have a state board of equalization. They don't care. Paperwork. It doesn't matter. Uh, if, if I have a state license to sell and I decide to sell on, uh, in a public area where I'm not allowed to sell. Sure. Okay. And it all has to do with, are you allowed to sell in a public park? doesn't matter how you get to that p- place. You're still selling. Mm. And the issue okay. is, are you allowed to sell in a public park? And if the answer is yes, all the cops in the world can come up and go, hey, and you could try to sell them the gloves and say, I have a special <laughs> deal for police yeah. officers today. And if you're not yeah. allowed to sell, they're going to tell you you're not allowed to sell. They're not going to arrest you, but uh, you may be in violation of an ordinance. So the fact that okay, you have now, a license to okay. sell really doesn't mean a whole lot unless they want to harass you for uh, whether you need a license or not. But uh, I don't understand where you're going. What exactly is your question? Okay, so this is my question. There's a situation, it's called uh, uh, soliciting. Please explain that to me. That's a very, very vague term. Uh, no, it's not, Greg. Uh, it's not very vague. Soliciting can be commercial soliciting, can be soliciting for uh, political purposes. It can be soliciting sure. for uh, religious purposes. Uh, there's all kinds. It's just you trying to get someone else to get involved with you. That's soliciting. Soliciting outside of supermarkets for signatures on propositions. Sure. So soliciting is, it's all encompassing. Bottom line is, you're selling. You're soliciting customers. Absolutely. Right. I hope your gloves are pretty good. Five bucks. What do five bucks buy you with a, a pair of gloves, by the way? I don't even, I don't even know. I mean, I have, uh, when I work out, badly, I might add, when I work out, uh, I've got a pair of, like, baseball gloves uh, to put on the equipment. That was $30. I mean, they're, they're it's money. So, I don't know, five bucks. What I should have done is ask them to send me some gloves, and if I liked them, I'd send them $5. This is Handle on the Law. She kept the hotel Good morning, everybody. Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning, right up until 11 o'clock. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right, uh, Lavinia. Hello, Lavinia. Good morning, Bill. I had a question um, about seven years ago. I had three dental implants um, put in my mouth, and... I uh, have a new dentist, and I went to her, and she's like, you know, what happened? Um, two of them already came out about two years ago, and this other one's going to fail and come out. And she thinks that um, the previous dentist that installed them did something that wasn't correct. All right. And, yeah, so she thinks I can, you know, somehow go after her. However... She hasn't been practicing since about 2015, 2016. All right. When when um, did uh, okay? When did the uh, the implants or when did the whatever procedures go in? I think what you said uh, they were. Uh, what exactly did the old dentist do? 
fillings? Uh, well, like I, I needed bone, so she, you know, installed. Uh, she gave me two options. There was like a powder form or actual okay. bone. Okay, what? So it was a big deal. I mean, it was a fairly intense procedure, right? Correct. All right, how much money was it? How much money did you spend? Um, over seven thousand dollars. Okay, how much is the new dentist charging to redo the old dentist's work? Oh, well, she's not even um, touching it because she's just in shock. She's like, you know, you need to find out uh, and go after this dentist. Well, she, okay, but but yeah. fine. So you go after the dentist. In the meantime, what are you doing with the teeth? Is she not willing yeah. to fix the new the teeth uh, that the old dentist screwed up? She's not because she said I should be seen by a specialist. Then you go to a specialist. You find out uh, how much it's going to cost you to undo what the old dentist did. Whatever the the dentist says, the new dentist says, "Yeah, you need a specialist." Okay, you go, and you and you say, okay. "How much is it going to cost me?" And the new dentist okay. is going to say twelve thousand dollars, whatever the hell it is. And if you're yeah. with, and if you're within the statute, and uh, that's a three year statute uh, for malpractice. If you're within the statute, then uh, you go after the old dentist. And now, if the old dentist is out of practice, and that really doesn't matter because I see that up on the screen, the dentist is out of practice. Uh, doesn't yeah. doesn't make the dentist any less liable, right? It probably just has now, to do with insurance. You're saying three years that three years from the time that she yeah came in my three mouth, years from the from... time the procedure was done two years uh, from the actual yeah. procedure I think it's three years and then with the discovery and then yeah I think it's three years uh, but three years, yeah okay. I think well, it's if you're past that I mean there's an issue. Uh, there's a big issue. But, uh, you know, talk to a dental malpractice attorney. There's tons of them out there. Because, again, okay. I, I'm not familiar. Go to go to the website. Go to handleonthelaw.com. Find out who does medical a dental malpractice because there are people who specialize in that. And just ask the question. Okay? Okay. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Oh, go to a dentist. Uh, you need a new. Uh, that's a tough one for sure. All right, Marilyn. Hi, Marilyn. Welcome to Hi, Handle on the Law. Yes, ma'am. I need marginal legal advice. That's what you're going to get. I, <laughs> my grandson bought a car from, I think it was on Craigslist, and he bought a car and gave the person $2,500 cash, and he got a whole bunch of papers from the guy, I, like about eight or nine papers, and all different kinds of names on them, but no title, no pink slip, no nothing. Is he screwed? Yeah, and he's an idiot on top of that. I know, but he's only 20. He was oh, okay, there you go. I feel better. He's only 20 and he's an idiot. Okay, uh, that's much better than being 25 and an idiot. Tremendous. That's my granddaughter. Uh, just tremendous, yeah. Um, well, yeah, pretty much. Pretty uh, pretty much. Yes. I mean, you have to get title. Uh, you're there. It could, does he, can he track down whoever sold it to him? You know, I think he can. Then you ask, uh, then you ask for the, some of those guys. The, yeah, then you ask for the, then you want the pink slip. Uh, which, by the way, is title, and you sign it over, okay. and uh, then ask, and also I uh, have him sign a sales uh, agreement for the twenty five hundred dollars. Okay. If the fellow is still around, there's no reason why he wouldn't do it, except if the car was either stolen or a salvage vehicle yeah. or <laughs> yeah. whatever it was. But yeah, your your yeah. yeah your grandson is pretty much yeah yeah he's uh, out of luck. He's just a moron. Uh, that's right. People do. That's why you call this show, so I can call people morons. Now, uh, oh, uh, do I have uh, I do. I do have a spot. All right. Fair enough. Uh, the word privacy. And uh, that 
for some reason, people think that actually applies anymore today. There really is no such thing as piracy. Uh, here is a, uh, a survey. 68% of people said they believe smart home devices listen to you. <laughs> they do. Uh, it's hilarious how little privacy there is. So there are so many threats today with uh, the privacy, lack of privacy, the connected world. It just takes one leak for criminals to get in. And when personal information is exposed, then guess what happens? Your identity is stolen, and they're on their way to ripping you off. Uh, they, They apply for loans, social security numbers, I mean, all of it. So let me tell you what I do to protect my identity, my family's identity, and that is LifeLock. And LifeLock, my opinion, certainly is true protection uh, they detect a wide range of identity threats, and there, if there's a problem, U.S.-based restoration specialists will work to fix it. Now, no one can prevent all ID theft or monitor every transaction in every business, but LifeLock can see threats that you might probably will miss on your own. Join, get 10% off your first year, use the promo code HANDLE, call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, or go to LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE. This is Handle on the Law. Black holes, solid ground, black holes, solid ground, a thousand voices set them free, because this silence is killing me. And good morning, everybody. Handle here on a uh, Saturday. And we do have some lines open, 800-520-1534, 800-520-1534. More handle on the law, marginal legal advice. Hello, Bill. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Good morning. Yes, sir. I want to know uh, what my chances are uh, in small claims for claiming, uh, going up against my landlord for a deprivation of uh, peace and quiet on a Sunday morning when he arranged to have a tree that's right outside my window removed, and it took six hours with dueling chainsaws uh, going. It was so, the, the noise, was, noise was so intense, I had to clear out of here. All right, so what's that? Okay, so um, you let's say you sue your landlord. Okay, how, how much do you think six hours of uh, noise is worth? And you had to well, leave it virtually hits. It makes it the whole day. No, so, I understand. What does that well, worth? It works about. Uh, I'm saying fifty dollars. Which for fifty dollars, I'm not going to go to small claims. Uh, well, However, yeah. I intend on moving in a month or two, and so uh, if he uh, doesn't return all of my uh, deposit, I'll I'll go to small claims with that. But I'll roll this in with it. You can argue it. I don't think the judge is going to buy it because those aren't ascertainable damages. I don't think a small claims court uh, has the ability of putting a value on uh, noise. It's not a it's not an ascertainable figure. Uh, it's with a rent. It is okay. Here's how. Here's a security deposit: two thousand bucks, hypothetically. All right, you caused fifteen hundred dollars worth of damage. Therefore, you only get five hundred dollars back. You argue it. The landlord comes up with a bill of what he spent. I mean, those are clear-cut numbers. I borrowed $1,000 from you. Six hours of noise uh, that you're clearing out of there for six hours, which, by the way, is not the entire day. It's six hours. All right? I mean, I, I don't understand where you're going. Well, it's the entire day. 
How does six hours become an entire day? Well, it's enough of a day where I just I just call it the day. Well, it's not a day. It's six hours. All right, six you know, hours. For example, let's say you're getting paid, uh, right? You're doing something on an hourly, and you do it for six hours. Well, I consider that a full day. Uh, so I want eight hours worth of pay. How is that possible? You worked All for six. All I was asking for was uh, some little uh, notification so I can make plans. No, I understand. No, no, he screwed you over. I'm not arguing that. The, the guy should have given you notification. I understand that, and he didn't. And uh, it's one of those, you go to court, and you're going to get a bad boy. Don't do that again. That's it. So, uh, no. there you can, Now, you can argue when it comes uh, when it comes for him to return the deposit and you're saying no i want a 50 i want 50 dollars more and then he said no now you get to go to small claims court uh and you're going to do that for 50 bucks of course not but if you are arguing arguing several hundred dollars and you're going to small claims court anyway I, yeah you could add 50 bucks see if the judge buys that sure why not right no harm no foul but no i i see what is stuff worth and one of the things about the law, and I've said this a whole bunch of times before, the law tends to be sloppy when it comes to uh, injunctions and restraining orders, things like this. What is too much noise worth? You're too loud. Your dog is barking at too loud a volume. I don't know what too loud is. It's, see, that's the problem. I mean, there is a number, but it's just not easy. When I owe you a thousand bucks and I don't pay you, that one's easy, right? When you when I lose uh, my leg in a car accident, uh, that's not easy, but that's not an issue of gee, I've lost my leg. It's a lot of money. Now it's up to the jury or the judge to determine how much. But then again, you know, we're talking about stuff that's uh, fairly sloppy. What is it worth? Well, to one jury, that's worth a million and a half dollars. To another jury, it's worth five and a half million dollars. All right. Gina. Hi, Gina. Yes, yes ma'am. I have a question. Uh, I work with an agency that uh, is, uh, there is a class action going on. And okay. And what did, you, did, you say a class, did you say a class action going on? Yes. Okay. And uh, they're um, they're asking me if I uh, want to be part of it right. or not. That's what they have to do. Yes, and then um, I don't know the details, so I can decide if I want to be part of it or not. All right. Well, first I of all, you call the easy part is calling the lawyer who is handling mm-hmm. the class action. There is a there's an attorney or a group of attorneys that have actually filed for the class action. So there it is. That's easy to pull, uh, but. Uh, What is it that you're being class actioned about? Uh, What is it that's being alleged by the class? It's about the unfair or unpaid. um, And they they are telling me that I am entitled to get uh, $3,000 something. Okay, unpaid, unfair, unpaid for doing what? For for the work. What work? It's a homeless agency. Okay, you're working for a, did you say homeless agency? Home health. Oh, home health. health agency. Okay, so you're a caregiver. Yes, kind All right. of. All right. Uh, and so, uh, they're saying you're entitled to $3,500. No, 3000 something. Okay, $3,000. And yes, uh, you so, want to know whether you stay in or not. Well, if you don't stay in, then you're going to have to get your own lawyer to go after them. If uh-huh. you do stay in 
and in fact the case settles up, and maybe they're talking about a tentative settlement, then you're going to get the check. So yeah, but I want to know if it maybe I'm entitled to a lot of money. Maybe, and you're not going to find you're not going to know that until you file an individual lawsuit. And you're going to have to go get a lawyer outside of the class action suit to file a lawsuit on your behalf, individually. Okay. And how much more money do you think you can get? It's a question of being paid. All right? So they're they're saying you get $3,000. How much more uh-huh. do you think you're going to get? What do you think it's worth? Maybe maybe 50,000. 50,000 for how much did you work to to get $50,000? Five and you you weren't paid for 5 years? No, I was paid, but it was unfair and there was a lot of, you know, slobby things that they All right, well I Gina, here's what paid. you can do. Gina, here's what you can do. You can go uh-huh. to a lawyer and find out if a lawyer is willing to take that case on for you. The same lawyer? No, no, no. Different lawyer. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, and uh, the problem is for $50,000, while there's already a settlement, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe yes, maybe no. I mean, for $50,000, that's, you know, that's a chunk of money. I mean, that's that's worth talking about. So what you get to do is go to to the website. Go to handleofthelaw.com. And we have uh-huh. lawyers that are involved in uh, lawsuits, probably a labor lawyer that you want, someone who does uh, uh-huh. labor law. And then just lay the question out, saying, do I stay in uh, or do we sue individually? And you'll get an honest uh, piece of advice. And if the lawyer says uh, you can stay uh, if you want to sue individually, then he takes it or doesn't take it. And if the lawyer okay. says, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and if the lawyer says, well, I think it's worth it, but I'm not taking it. It's not worth it for me. So you go to a mm-hmm. couple of other lawyers who say the same thing, uh, that they're saying they're not going to take it. At that point, you settle, and you take your $3,000. I see. Okay? Okay. Thank right. you so much. That's all right. It's, uh, that's always a choice you make. In the vast majority of cases, you take the settlement. Uh, because if you go on your own, uh, lawyers just don't take uh, these kinds of cases individually. And my, uh, well, here's my favorite class action suit. It was either General Mills or Kellogg's when they uh, they were sued on uh, false advertising. And people would buy um, your, I don't know, 42 ounces, 32 ounces of cereal. And they would sell, say, 32 ounces of cereal. And then it turned out that by volume, it wasn't 32 ounces. So they changed it over to by weight. Well, that was a class action lawsuit that made them do that. So now, how about the zillions of people that were screwed over the course of the years, thinking they had 42 ounces of cornflakes, but actually had less than that because uh, the volume actually went down because the, 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 it settled. And the argument was, hey, you were selling 42 ounces And in reality, you were selling 38 ounces. All right, class action lawsuit, false advertising, breach, all of that. That flew. All right, lawyers got a zillion dollars because that's what happens in class action lawsuits. Now, the people that bought the cornflakes, what did they get? How much damage? They have to be damaged. And uh, what damage? Well, it turned out they, I think they all got 35 cent off coupons for the next bag of, uh, next box of cornflakes. You see, that's the problem. How are you individually damaged? Now, in Gina's case, if it's $50,000, that's a real issue. But rarely is there that kind of disparity. And if there is, 
uh, then to go on your own, even that becomes difficult. This is Handle on the Law. And uh, good morning on a uh, Saturday handle here. Oh, it's afternoon, uh, 2 o'clock uh, after Leo Laporte is up in just a moment. Neil is broadcasting from uh, Takeando. Do I have that right? Uh, Takeando? Takenido. Oh, I knew it. I just call it Takarama. Very close. Uh, it's just easiest, uh, much easier. So Neil will be broadcasting downtown, and uh, it's an event that's nothing but tacos. And so he'll be talking tacos for most most of the afternoon, and there is a world to tacos. Uh, you have no idea of how much from different places, uh, different restaurants, different regions. You know, for example, well, I'm just thinking uh, the difference between uh, the Taco Bell in Pacoima and the Taco Bell in South Central. Totally different tacos. All right. Uh, 800-520-1534. 800-520-1534. Those are our phone numbers. couple lines open right now. Back we go. Handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Tom. Hello, Tom. Welcome. Hey, Bill. Hey, about two days ago, my son got a notice from DMV saying that he had to supply a second proof yeah. of residency. Yeah. I just got one of those. He, he, yeah, well, he said, he, you know, they, he, somebody had applied in his name for a California real ID, and he never did that. So I was wondering if we should just deal with uh, DMV. Wait a minute. Hold we, on. Hold you know, on. If he, How do you know someone else applied for uh, the ID, real ID, if they're sending you or sending him a letter saying we need another piece of ID? How do you know that someone else had applied for that real ID? Because he never did. Well, he never applied for a real ID in the first place. No, he did not. Okay, because uh, I just got one of those letters, and uh, I don't know if, uh, and that was, by the way, an unsolicited letter uh, that I have, but I did apply for a real ID, and if someone, okay. uh, you know, I don't know the answer other than uh, you get to call DMV and find out what's going on, or... Uh, go to the DMV office, and you have to just wait. Go there early okay. in the morning. Get a DM. Get a DMV office out in you know N- Nebraska someplace. Because if you go into the major <laughs> areas, you're going to be there for five hours. But let's say, yeah, I'm not uh, yeah, you just find out which ones are way way out there. You can try to make an appointment, uh, but I would do it sooner than that. And just be out there when the DMV opens up. Get there half an hour, an hour before. Stand in line and go in and say, hey. Uh, I never applied for a real ID. By the way, for those folks that are listening in terms of real ID, this is California. Remember, everybody needs a real ID by October of 2020 in the United States in order to fly. Uh, uh, The new driver's license. Well, California did it, but they did it wrong. So now everybody has to go back and get a real ID, the new real ID, a real, real ID, And uh, I had done that, gotten my new first real ID, and just got a letter in the mail. It can be done by mail. They just want a little bit of extra additional information. But that's predicated uh, predicated on me. What are these real IDs for? Uh, Oh, they're for security, getting on airplanes. It's all all about security. Uh, You're not going to be able to get on an airplane uh, in October of... Uh, of of, uh, 2020 unless you have a real ID or you have a passport. 
if you have a password, right. you, you okay. can bring that along. But that's all it is. And it's a it's, oh, okay. okay. So uh, he's got to find out for the DMV. The only thing that is questionable at this one is that he hadn't applied or doesn't have the first real ID because this is about the second real ID. They need some more information. So I don't know the answer okay, no. to that. Yeah, he never applied for either one. I just we just oh don't no, know you why can't apply that. for the no. There's no such thing as applying for the second one. Uh, well, no. I think you can apply, but uh, no one does. There's no reason to because they're doing this by mail, uh, and it's a self-addressed envelope. So you just give the two pieces and you mail it in, and you'll be issued a new. Uh, he'll be issued a new real ID. The only issue if, is if he applied for the first one. Yeah, that's the question because either the oh. letter goes out come hell or high water, or someone is trying to steal and applying for his uh, his driver's license. So you get to go okay, to... So it's just best... Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just best if he goes there. Oh, yeah, yeah, and says, shows the letter and says what's going on, and uh, they'll explain it to him. The The hard part is going there, is standing in line, yeah. because right now there's like five-hour lines. I mean, it's completely nuts. Oh, yeah. Uh, what he yeah. can do, also, you know, there's a handicap uh, line there, so uh, what I suggest he does is either sit in a wheelchair and have someone roll him up there or maybe take a cane and uh, and pretend he's totally handicapped. Uh, no, that's, uh, I don't know if I would do that. All right. Uh, but there's, that's literally how it works. I mean, it's just a mess with a California ID. So uh, let me tell you about uh, protecting yourself, right? So let's say you use public Wi-Fi and it's password protected. So there you are. You're in good shape. So you think there's security there. There isn't. Because hackers can still go in. There you are at Starbucks. You're doing whatever you do on public Wi-Fi. Password protected. You're done. The information is available. Hackers can take in, can get that information, cyber criminals, and just clean you out information-wise. And, of course, then your identity. And, of course, we just had a uh, call right now. Someone is uh, wondering, gee, did someone grab my apply for a driver's license? I mean, it's so easy. So, Let me tell you about Norton Secure VPN. This is about encrypting your information when you use public Wi-Fi. It's easy to use. It encrypts actually all of your connections, including public Wi-Fi. So now your information is safe. Your private information is there. You don't have to sweat it. Norton Secure VPN. And this is the virtual private network that encrypts. Norton Secure VPN. That is real protection. Of course, I have it. So get in Norton Secure VPN. Enjoy the convenience of that connected world without the worries of someone stealing your information. Go to Norton.com slash VPN. Norton.com slash VPN. Protection starts at just $3.33 a month. Terms apply. Norton.com slash VPN. This is Handle on the Law.